Hello and welcome to the GM Cancer Podcast. I'm Steve Bland and this is the podcast that gets under the skin of cancer services here in Greater Manchester. Uh, Now the Greater Manchester Cancer Alliance is committed to tackling inequalities in cancer care and this is the third episode of four we're doing exploring some of the work that's going on across our region to do just that. This episode is all about the inequalities faced by people with learning disabilities and for this one I headed down to uh, People First in Tameside and I've got three uh, wonderful guests coming up for you. I spoke to Jenny Jones and Carol Lonergan who are part of the Pennine Bowel Screening Service and I also spoke to Leanne who is someone that's used the support on offer from People First, uh, particularly around cervical screening. So without further ado, let's crack on with this conversation. And I started by asking Jenny uh, to just explain a little bit about what she does. So I've been a learning disability nurse for over 30 years. Um, in my current role, I'm driving the health inequality agenda for people with learning disabilities across Greater Manchester. So that includes uh, you know, access to cervical screening and, and, and wider cancer work. Um, And I guess the reason behind this role is that we know that people with a learning disability die on average 20 years earlier than people without a learning disability. And we know from Leda that over half of those deaths are avoidable. So all the work that Carol and I are doing is around driving that health and equality agenda and making sure that people get equal access to healthcare. Just explain why inequality exists around people with learning disabilities. I mean, just a bit of an obvious kind of question, but like, why, you know, where are the inequalities? Um, I mean, Leanne can probably answer that question better as a person who, who faces the inequalities, but I think it's at a systems level we make lots of assumptions about people with learning disabilities. So in this context, for example, we may assume that a woman with a learning disability isn't sexually active, doesn't need a cervical smear. We know that women are removed from cervical smear lists without any consideration of capacity or best interest. Um, I think we make lots of, um, there's lots of diagnostic overshadowing. So symptoms of certain conditions are put down to the person's learning disability rather than a a symptom of a condition itself. Um, I I think there's lots of system failures as well. So simple things like access to a GP can be very difficult for a person with a learning disability. So I guess an example of the work we're doing across GM, um, an annual health check is a really important way for people to get all their kind of health needs met via the GP. We weren't doing very well. 66% of people across GM had an annual health check last year. This year we're at 80%. So we're doing lots of work to make sure that women and men with learning disabilities and autism are getting access to good quality health care from a primary care level right up to the kind of acute settings really. And Carol, um, you're, you're, you're working in care, similar kind of area. Exactly the same with Jenny. We're, we're both driving the health inequalities agenda forward. Um, I just cover five boroughs of Greater Manchester, where Jenny covers ten boroughs. But our work overlaps. We work very closely together um, to support um, our patients with learning disabilities. What kind of picture are you seeing in the five boroughs that you work in? Um, exactly the same, you know, lots of health inequalities not being driven forward. Um, I, get, I guess not enough reasonable adjustments being made, people not accessing uh, surgeries, GP screenings. Um, I've been around for about 25 years and there are no real improvements in, in driving this agenda forward. It just seems that there's, 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 it peaks and troughs, but it, it's just 
the key driver the you know um people themselves not, yeah. not getting access to treatment and the inequalities exist not just in in screening but it's across right through your journey in yeah. your cancer care absolutely it's um yeah it, it, uh, leanne let's let's just uh, bring you in here do you want to just uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with cervical screening and the, uh, the process you went through and perhaps some of the support that you've had yeah so when i first got the bladder um saying about it i felt like what do i do because it was a bit scary and embarrassing and i just didn't know what the right steps were to go through and then i was just like putting it off and then it was when i got more information that i thought what was i worrying about you know yeah did you did you know the letter was coming was it just a complete shock yeah. did you know you'd have to go for a, a screen at some point yeah i knew that i'd have to go for it at some point but then when it came through the post it was just like even more like embarrassing and nerve-wracking like what was going to happen and stuff like that so what did um i've never received one of these letters what does it what does it tell you about the process you're going to have to go uh, go through on the initial letter and so it just basically says that you need to bring up and book it and then obviously you find like but it doesn't say like on the letter what's going to happen so then um that's when i went to a workshop and found out more about it and then that gave me more confidence and everything about it so almost like the thought of what was going to happen in your imagination before you knew was almost worse than yeah. the reality once you, you you were sort of educated as to what it actually was yeah because i didn't know nothing about it it was just like scary like oh what's going to happen yeah and then what and then what additional support have you have you received in terms of the whole whole yeah, process so, um, i had my support worker there with me to guide me and give me support and advice and stuff and um, it helped me a lot because knowing that I had someone there if I needed them, um, that really, like, yeah. <laughs> Jenny, I think these some of these challenges actually are not are not just for people with learning disabilities, are they? It, it, you know, an awful lot of people would would get that letter and not know what you know what a smear involved, or you know get. Um, you know, get their kit to do a bowel a, a bowel cancer test and not and not know exactly what they had to do or, or you know not know maybe the whole process is that that's maybe the challenge for you guys to uh, make sure that people are are you know fully informed from the get go. Absolutely, and, and I think we've talked to Caroline and the people doing the bowel screening, but it's really important that we make reasonable adjustments right from the point of invite and that reasonable adjustments are applied all the way through, not just the bowel screening process, but any treatment processes afterwards. And Leanne and I reflected this morning that feeling scared and embarrassed is normal for any woman, because if you don't know what's gonna happen, it, that the anxiety itself, you're right, the term Leanne used is actually the smear itself, just like a little scratch. Mm -hmm. The smear itself was okay. It was the not knowing what was gonna happen. It was the not knowing the process, how long it would take. Um, what reasonable adjustments could be made? Can you take somebody else in with you? But um, yeah, I think in GM we've done lots of work on the bowel screening pathway, beginning to look at the cervical screening pathway. Leanne's hopefully going to be part of our research group doing that piece of work. We want women with lived experience to help us shape 
those reasonable adjustments to their pathways for, for all screening. Was there a bit of you, Leanne, that thought, I might just put this in a, in a drawer in the kitchen? You know, what was what was the kind of what was your thought process? That's what I did do for right. a couple of years. Right. And then um, there was workshops and stuff like that, and I thought I might just go along and find out a bit more information about it. Yeah. And then when I did, I just uh, thought I I better do this, you know. So if somebody was listening to this and and. Uh, or you were talking to someone who perhaps it was in your position two years ago. You put the le- uh, letter in a drawer and forgotten all, all about it. You know what would you say to them? Um, I'll say to them to get advice, um, speak to somebody about it, because it, it builds your confidence to actually go and have one mm. um, and not be worrying. Yeah. So of course, Carol, the reality is as as well that that. In not just uh, cervical uh, cancer, but so many cancers are treatable and curable if if they're caught early, and that's the point of the screen, isn't it? Absolutely, and we've got lots of really good examples of people. You know, I've got good, good and bad examples of people accessing treatment and getting an early diagnosis, having treatment to being a successful, you know, cancer-free to yeah. someone who is is currently having has been lately diagnosed late diagnosed for having uh, bowel cancer, and the treatment pathway is completely different yeah. um, because reasonable adjustments have not been made. Is the gentleman's not able to have uh, access to the treatment that everybody else should have, so you know they're being failed in terms of the learning disability, yeah. which is uh, almost a barrier to them having having treatment, a life saving treatment. Yeah, because we talk about the so, responsibility on on. On all of us to know our bodies, know our symptoms, but actually there are there are some people that do need that extra support, aren't there? And absolutely, and people if that who support's don't not understand. there. Yeah, yeah. And it's not picked up, then. Uh, yeah, and it's explaining about looking for those signs and symptoms of cancers, isn't yeah. it? You know, like say, people don't understand that you know the changes in the body. You can't explain what the changes are. Some people have got non-verbal communication, um, and you know, it might be difficult for them to to even display that they might be having a pain or. Any, any kind of symptoms um, but again these things need to be picked up early and you know through education and good support links and good family links and these workshops are absolutely essential that provide easy read information people with lived experiences are vital to yeah. people actually getting cancer screenings yeah. and getting, getting, getting treatment. So Leanne take us just into one of these workshops then what was it what was it all about what did you learn in the workshop? Um, so it's just basically I got told what it would consist of the appointment of the sperm. Yeah. So it was just basically saying that, like, you would obviously go, you would speak speak to somebody at the desk and just basically going through what would happen. Yeah, just breaking it all down, making it, you know, and I, I guess understanding why it was that so important as well. Yeah. Which I guess is part of the, the challenge, Carol, isn't it? With all screening... They're all like you know early, early kind of touch points. It's explaining why they're so important. Absolutely, I think I think um, helping people understand and make an informed decision. People can only make an informed decision with the right information. And I think going back to the point we just made about if not, what next? Lots of people might still choose not to have a cervical smear or a breast screen or a bowel screen but it's them making sure we've got a really good care plan in place. So if a woman refuses a breast screen, 
We want to make sure that her care team have got a care plan in place around breast awareness and breast health because we can do lots and lots of work on reasonable adjustments. Some people will still say they don't want to partake in the screening programme, but it's the what next, if, if not, and, and looking out for those signs and symptoms and understanding what happens if you get changes to your breast or changes to your periods or or your, your bowel movements and things. So there's lots of work to do around yeah, educational that's, material. that's important actually, isn't it? Like, uh, Leanne, do you feel, you know, you've obviously had the smear, but do you feel like you're supported and and uh, uh do you feel like you know enough about uh, other types of cancer maybe that you you'd know what to look out for no no so what support carol is there then you know to help people understand i mean i guess we've got the gm we've got the new gm learning disability cancer network and one of those work streams is looking at a series of um of of health cafes, workshops that are looking at all all cancer screening programmes. We are going to focus on cervical and breast screening first. And that's come from some research and engagement with people with lived experience. They've told us they really find these sessions around bowel screening mm-hmm. fun and helpful and educational. So we're hoping to ro- roll out a programme across GM of, of health screening cafes so we can educate women so that they've got the information they need to make a decision and understand that the wider range of cancers because so often it is is what leanne was saying that the 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 thought of the test the screen the even the treatment the thought of it often is is worse than the reality isn't it so education it's education about what's actually involved in a test or in a bit of treatment or or something sort of dispel the myths uh, uh, the myths and the taboos around around that process and what we know from women with learning disabilities actually having sight of, of of some of that equipment and the smear tests and the bowel screening kits and some prosthetic breasts so we can help women doing that in a really live interactive way is a much better way i think of women learning about yeah. those things rather than being told with words or with with um with books and things actually living it and doing a really interactive workshop would be helpful i think Leah. yeah yeah yeah. Would that that kind of thing do you think be helpful? Yeah. 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 What other support then is available, Carol? For for the, for example, the gentleman you just talked about. You know where, where, where maybe should the interventions have been? I think it all goes back down to your annual health checks, making sure that people receive those annual health checks, but a really good, thorough, quality annual health check, and you know followed up with the gp any changes to any you know bowel habits any lumps bumps whatever it might be that they're detected early you know people that you know mental capacity and reasonable adjustments are made for that person so if somebody doesn't have the capacity and you know they have got a change in clinical diagnosis they're been unwell they're presenting unwell what can we do and what do we need to do so it's about making those real enforced changes and you know having best interest meetings to 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 identify what can we do to get this person well but not just that at that point it might be a blood test that person might have sort of been needle phobic and there might be real issues with that person entering the gp surgery but it's about how can we make those adjustments for that person to get that point to get that test to have that done and then to get the treatment that they might need if there's some you know imbalance in the bloods um so i think for me it's about 
it's it's a, about empowering GPs, empowering you know families and carers as well to look for signs and symptoms. But really moving forward, that everybody's working together and that we're not just you know standalone working yeah. or people like Jenny saying before about people being you know having diagnostic overshadowing and you know they might present with a behaviour and actually if we don't if we don't delve deeper into that behaviour you know it's it's not just that you know that person could be in pain and the only way that they can display pain is by banging themselves or hitting themselves or rocking and um, some of those things are really important key factors to us picking up on those early points yeah that's a really important point Jenny isn't it because the um you know we can talk about education and, and support uh, for the people with learning disabilities but actually you need it for the gps i guess there's a couple of things we're doing across gm so again as part of the learning disability cancer network another one of the task and finish groups is looking at training so training for professionals training for carers training for health staff on how to make the reasonable adjustments that leanne is telling us is helpful to help her access health care um, i think we've also got the oliver mcgowan training that's become mandatory so Staff across all primary, secondary and acute settings should be getting some basic training on learning disabilities and autism and how to make, because it's not rocket science, making reasonable adjustments is not rocket science. It's little things, Leanne, like not having you wait in the waiting room, which causes more anxiety, about having a first appointment, about being able to get an appointment and make reasonable adjustments to when you ring somewhere. I think it's not rocket science, but um, yeah, training for professionals, and carers and and lots of our support staff because actually we need them to understand what the signs and symptoms of cancer are as well because they're supporting people that might have a a, a less understanding of what those symptoms are is it simplifying the process as well you know i've i've been through um my first wife rachel uh, died from breast cancer about five years ago now and and it's it's the initial the initial stages of your diagnosis it's there's a lot of a lot of appointments, a lot of, of of information to take in, and if we're if we broaden this out to not just about screening the whole the whole cancer journey, it's is it about like really really trying to simplify it as much as possible as well? Because I think it, Leanne, yeah. you're nodding there. Like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I imagine. I think on Leanne's list. Like, throwing things. information at you, like for some people, is just going to be so overwhelming. On Leanne's list of things here yeah. is um, information. It needs to be clear and simple. Yeah. Um, and easy read so that people can understand it more. Because, like, jargon words and stuff like that. Your doctors and things. Aren't very they love helpful. talking in jargon, don't they? Yeah. And, that, and I guess maybe that's then the role of the support worker to be with Leanne when all the jargon's coming at, at her. It's helping Leanne's staff feel feel confident in talking about cancer and, yeah. and talking about the key messages of cancer in a in a in a confident way so it's not just about educating women with ld it's about educating the system around that supports leanne you get amazing support from Tameside people first when leanne said she'd not had an annual health check it was a staff here at Tameside people first that said come on leanne mm-hmm. this is important didn't they yeah. so it's having a system of people who were empowered to support yeah. women like leanne to get the best health care possible so Leanne, did you just explain like the kind of order of things? When you got your letter, did you then go and say, "I've I've I've had this letter. What should I do?" Or or like or was it the case that your support worker knew that maybe you should have had it, or you're at a certain age where you should have had it? Um, it was a workshop that um, yeah. was 
on and it just occurred to me yeah. about it all that I've not had it yet because I'd been pointing off and then that's when I told them yeah and then there was like reassuring me that everything was going to be okay and um, I got the support that I needed to book the appointment yeah and then the support at the appointment as well which helped yeah but it's it's great that you actually were proactive enough to do it yourself I imagine there are some people uh, Carol that letter would stay in the drawer you know, so how are we you know what what work is being done to get to the people that maybe don't take it out of the drawer and go to the workshop well I think there's lots of issues isn't it because it's about you know some people can't read or write or understand a letter so yeah. I know there's been some fantastic work done by you know lots of the people first and Mencap with easy read easy read letters and but empowering those you know those places that send the letters out so it's not always from the GP surgery yeah. it's come from a clinical point um, making sure that that you know they're followed up as well so making sure that if it's an easy read it's sent out um people can't always tell the time so you know there might be a, a, a time on there that it'll just get put in the bin or it'll never get but if 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 that if if there's no response for, for me it's about what the gp is doing what the clinician is doing are they following up are they sending a letter are they making a call to that person so it's about making sure that 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 really invaluable information yeah. is, is 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 somehow you know, communicated to, to, to everybody. Um, There's I some think. national work happening as well around reasonable adjustment flags. So on, on clinical care records, we're hoping by uh, the middle of next year that all people with a learning disability mm -hmm. like Leanne, on their care records, it'll be flagged so that the bowel screening hub, the cancer screen, you know, all the, all the other clinical areas will know immediately that this person needs information in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it delivered in a... a, a bespoke way does someone actually or is there just a series of templates because like, i i don't really know how this information so with the, with works, the, with the cervical screening the letter comes out from a central hub yeah. so we've got no currently got no um kind of sway over what that letter says because it's a national template but yeah. carol's leading on that particular pathway mm. so the biggest piece of work is getting that first part of the pathway yeah. um altered yeah. in the same way that caroline and the team did with the bell screening hub because at the point of invite letter now we know who's got a learning disability yeah. we're not we're not offering people support somewhere down the line we're offering them support right from the point of invite which is critical because otherwise what happens to Leanne might happen people will just put the letter away in a drawer yeah we've talked lots about the some of the challenges i guess maybe let's talk about what what support is available you know what resources what you know what work is going on what projects are going on in greater manchester to you know to make because what we're good at here in greater manchester we 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 see things and we make it better don't we like we're we're really uh, innovative and i've no doubt plenty of work's going on here in this area what you know what kind of thing is going on i wonder whether rather than talk about high level changes what mm. what, what changes were made for you Leanne, at a personal level that made a difference mm. before we talk about like a, a high strategic level what what were those things that you said really made a difference um so having a lovely nurse yeah makes a difference to everybody yeah everyone yeah. likes a lovely nurse yeah. <laughs> um i suppose like telling me what was going to happen as the nurse was doing it as well yeah, just being nice and clear. Um, 
really important about that you felt reassured yeah. didn't you and uh, feeling reassured like um, that everything was going to be alright by my support worker yeah and the nurse yeah mm. um, I suppose a big one for me is the appointment was on time yeah. Um, You're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you said is waited around was the most yeah. anxious yeah. thing, wasn't it? She's gone, you've yeah. got there. That was really brave of you yeah. to do that with support. But then leaving you waiting around would have, might have made a difference, might it? It might have made a difference to you completing that smear test, I yeah. guess. Yeah, that's really important, isn't it? And uh, these are the adjustments that you're talking about, aren't they, Jenny? Yeah, we just call them reasonable adjustments, and they're not—they're not difficult to make, are they? No. So we'd we'd hope that Leanne had a reasonable adjustment care plan in place yeah. at a GP practice, mm-hmm. so that every appointment, every interface with primary care, we know what adjustments need to be yeah. made. Yeah. I think from a GM level, um, and I'll keep going back to the kind of cancer network, which is reportable to the GM Cancer Alliance. Um, we're doing lots of work around the bowel screening pathways, the breast screening pathways, and cervical. But we're also looking at the health cafes, so education sessions for women with LD, training for professionals. And then the final um, subgroup is looking at resources. So we've begun to pull together the plethora of resources that's available. Not all of them evidence-based, not all of them very up-to-date because pathways change as well. So one of the task and finish groups has got a massive piece of work. I think I found 75 easy-read resources just on bowel screening alone. So the, the task and finish group are looking at, at looking at the validity of them and we're hoping to have a central GM resource so that anybody supporting anyone with a learning disability can go to this, um, I suppose, bank of resources. And we're also doing the videos as well with the University of Manchester. So do you want to explain what we're doing? Yeah, well, or do you want me to that do that? That sounds exciting. Um, so it's a project, um, finding out more research about um, cervical cancer. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is not just focus on cervical smears, we're trying to think about the wider cervical cancers, aren't we? So Mm -hmm. what we know is out there currently there's there's some videos, um, one of them's about 16 minutes long, it's it's too long for me to focus on. So having spoke to women with LD, we came in and did a session, didn't we? We're going to produce a, a, a suite of bite-sized videos, two yeah. or three minutes each. We're going to be in the videos, aren't we, Leanne? <laughs> going to be a rock star in the videos. Yeah. Yeah, nice. But we're going to cover all aspects of cervical smear. So we're going to talk about the HPV, what HPV is, the HPV vaccine. We're going to talk about, um, I can't remember, what, what going for your cervical smear, any treatments that you might need. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a, a video as well in that suite for professionals and yeah. for carers to kind of educate them. But we're at the very early stages of deciding what we're going to include in the videos because we're asking women with lived experience yeah. what would be helpful. How important do you think uh, that is, Leanne, uh, that people who've actually been through the process, you know, like yourself, actually talk about it and you know sort of demystify it a little bit for people that maybe are a bit more a bit more afraid? Um, very because it's giving others the point of view yeah like to like give people the confidence to think well wait a minute is it as bad as it seems yeah 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 if Leanne's done it we can do it exactly (laughs) (laughs) but it's so important though that you're sat here talking to me today and explaining your your story really clearly if somebody was listening and was in any way afraid of you know a smear 
I have no doubt they wouldn't be by the end of listening to you. And I think that's that's so important, isn't it? And I, I wonder if you'd have if you'd have had that when you first got the letter, if you'd have had some of the things we're talking about, you know, perhaps it wouldn't have sat in the in the drawer for two years. And that's it. And it, that's the work, Carol, isn't it? To kind of maybe. Um, it's difficult because you want to be um, the lot of stuff that I've done in the past you know talk about people like like Deborah I always go back to Deborah really like in your face like really visible but actually it's it's that's maybe not the approach to people with learning disabilities you, you need to be a bit a bit cleverer don't you and a bit more a bit more subtle a bit a bit simpler a bit you know do it a little bit differently yeah a bit creative really and making it fun I think yeah. is good learning's got to be fun I think yeah. interactive fun you know you've got to remember what you learn but revisiting it not just do it as a one-off we need to do it all the time don't we we sometimes need you know, to go back a few really steps helps. as well because we shouldn't always assume that women with learning disabilities yeah. have, have had the same education around mm you know sexual health for example or or even what even what a cervix is so Mm -hmm. just being able to help women understand that it's okay to talk about parts of your body that we've been told are private and and we we talk about healthy sexual relationships all the things that we can't assume that women with learning disabilities have had Uh, you know because we make lots of assumptions that women with learning disabilities haven't had sexual relationships or aren't in a higher risk group of, of, of some cancers. And again, that comes back to the benefit of having someone like Leanne helping you, doesn't it? Because she's you lived it and breathed it and you know, put the letter in the drawer for two years so she can tell you exactly what would have what would have helped. And I suppose uh, allow extra time for appointments as well. And that's a, yeah, that's, a really, that's a really important one, isn't it? And, and probably one that if you hadn't had any training... I don't know if I would have thought that was. I mean, obviously, no one likes being kept waiting for appointments or results or anything. But you know, specifically, people with learning disabilities, you might not. You might not understand. Understand them. that that's really important. Need time to understand and process it all. What yeah. they say. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's so important. It's so interesting. So yeah, thank you so much, Leanne. I think it. Um, <laughs> No, no, but it is. It, when I said it's, it's, it's so important uh, that people with lived experiences share their stories because otherwise, I mean, like we said, if you'd have, if you'd have heard someone like yourself talking when you first got the letter or, or before, you might have thought, oh, it's a smear. I know what that is. You know, I'll go along because I heard Leanne talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so important. So thank you very much, and Jenny and Carol. Thank you also. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. And there we go. That's a wrap for episode three of our four looking at inequalities in cancer services here in Greater Manchester. And I told you, didn't I, that Leanne was a bit of a superstar. And I don't think Jenny or Carol will mind me saying that she was the star of the show there, wasn't she really? Um, Really articulate, really clear, uh, really important information and feedback she was giving on the support that she got, um, the improvements that could be made and, you know, focusing actually on on the positives of the support that she's received as well. Um, So really, really interesting episode. The fourth one in our series is coming up next week. Uh, But in the meantime, I would love it if you uh, went and followed GM Cancer on social media and took a little look back wherever you get your podcast from um, at some of our previous episodes. We've done loads of episodes 
talking to patients, talking to clinicians, talking to healthcare professionals who were right across GM. And I've got some amazing stories, amazing experiences. Um, and yeah, uh, definitely worth a listen. As I said, tune in next week uh, for the fourth in our series on inequalities. The final thing to say before I go is that the uh, Greater Manchester Cancer Awards uh, 2024 are now open for entries. Now, it's an absolutely amazing event. It's happening in May and I'll be hosting the event, actually. These awards are designed to honour outstanding work to improve lives and treatment for people with cancer in Greater Manchester. And we invite entries from all across the region, all across Greater Manchester, not just uh, NHS organisations. You can find out more and submit your entry at www.gmcancer.org.uk forward slash awards. And the closing date for entries is the 16th of February, 2024. And if you are entering, best of luck. I will see you on the night.